Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. As you're seated, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and watch this clip to get us ready. All right. (laughs) That wasn't just a happy Father's Day clip. I I I thought that illustrates how practical men are. How many of you guys were saying, yeah, okay. I don't see what's so funny. Yeah. Done some of that, thought about doing some of that. Let me tell you. I want us to look at one verse of Scripture today, actually a couple of verses of Scripture, that have to do with some practical advice for men. So this isn't just for the dads today, but since it's Father's Day, I thought it would be appropriate. Let's talk about some practical stuff that we as men need in order to be who we are called to be in God's purpose for our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be brave and strong. Your every action must be done with love. Guys, two short verses. Very simple statements about what we need as far as practical advice goes to be the men that God's called us to be. My goal this morning is not to beat us guys over the head with what we ought to be. My my desire is to challenge us as men to be what God's called us to be. So I hope you, you hear that this morning as we take just some practical words from the Word of God. Very simple statements. Number one, the first truth, the first thing we need to know, the first bit of advice is be alert. Be alert. Right there in verse 13. Paul writes to the people of God, be alert. How do we do that? What are we to be as men? What is he asking us to be alert to? And I believe there are three things that men need to understand. First of all, we need to guard our hearts. So number one, to be alert, I have to guard my heart. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter four, guard your heart above all else. Men, you know how tough it is in this society. You know how difficult it is. Nobody needs to paint that picture for us. Whoa. Okay, am I still there? Sort of? All right. That was interesting. (laughs) No one needs to paint the picture of how difficult it is to guard our hearts. We are bombarded with stuff every day. Everything we read, every time we turn on the TV, even if it's with that cool remote. Did you not love that? We're going to be bombarded with stuff. Guys, we need to guard our hearts, our allegiance, our, our passions, our commitments. We need to guard them carefully. Number two, we need to be alert to this. We need to guard our heads. Guard your head. If you can hold that place and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with me, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For although we are walking in the flesh, we do not wage war in a fleshly way, since the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. 
We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Guys, what's that practical way that we can guard our minds? Take every thought captive. Someone said you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest there. You can't keep from seeing some of the stuff you see. You can't keep from being impacted initially, but you can keep from dwelling on those thoughts. And how do you do it? It's so clear that you just can't say, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. What do you end up doing? You think about that. You have to replace the junk with God's truth. I would challenge you guys, find a verse. Proverbs is full of verses. If you use that one right there that I just used, Proverbs 4.23, about guarding your heart, find a verse that when junk starts to come in and your brain starts to dwell on it, go to the Word of God. Memorize it. Write it on a post-it note. Write it on your hand if you need to. Keep it in front of you so that when you go to the place where your thought life doesn't need to go, you replace that junk with truth from the Word of God. It may be, you may, the only verse you know may be John 3.16. But I guarantee you, if you're tempted and your mind starts to wander over there, you just quote John 3, 16, God's going to bring you back to the truth of his love. Find a way to replace those wrong thoughts with God's thoughts. Guard your heart, your passions. Guard your head, your thought life. And this is a challenge today for Father's Day. Number three, guard your home. Guard your home. Ephesians chapter 5, we usually go there when we talk about husbands and wives' roles. The Bible, the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Can, can I give you just a real clear thing that the Bible says I am to do with my home? I'm going to be willing to lay my life down for my wife and kids, pure and simple. There's a challenge, isn't it? Are you willing to say, no matter what, I will be the protector of my home? The stuff that comes into my home... I'm going to protect my family from that. I tell you what, being a dad raising teenagers, that's not always easy. Well, with the internet, it's really not easy. But sometimes you just have to say, you know what? God's given me this responsibility to be the protector of my home. We're not going to watch that stuff. We're not going to let that stuff come into our home. And it isn't real popular. Sometimes you get the look. Sometimes you get a door slam. Sometimes you get the cold shoulder treatment from your kids. But you stand accountable before God, guys. God says, what are you doing to protect your home? Be willing to lay down your life. John Eldridge, who's written an incredible book called Wild at Heart, very challenging book. He says there are three things that are the desires of a man's heart. And I love this. Here are the three. Every man wants a battle to fight for, a battle to fight for, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. Think about that, guys. That ought to resonate with you. A battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. Guys, if you're married, that bride of yours is the beauty to rescue. She wants to be rescued. She wants to be cherished. She wants to be protected. Your kids need that too. Your home needs to be that place where you say, I'm going to stand guard. I'm going to fight for my home. Guys, listen. You can't fight for your home. If you don't guard your heart and guard your mind, it starts there. I cannot be the man that stands as a watch guard, as a night watchman, to protect my kids and my wife if I haven't first said, God, you've got my heart. God, you've got my thought life. Probably one of the reasons why we're in a mess is because so many men 
haven't started there and here. Be alert. Well, that's a simple statement, isn't it? Guys, be alert. Number two, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Stand firm in the faith. First of all, he says, number one, be alert, then stand firm in the faith. Listen, guys, what that means, there's a lot to that. It doesn't mean you have to be a super Christian. It doesn't mean that you have to, to know all the books of the Bible forwards and backwards. I don't even, can't even do that. Sometimes I have to hunt. Now, where in the world did Jonah go? What happened to that book? And I have to dig. I, I may not be able to, it doesn't mean that you have to memorize all that stuff. You don't have to be the Bible scholar. It just means that you're willing to stand firm in what you believe. Guys, it has to start with us knowing what we believe. You know what you believe? I was talking with a man yesterday at our free garage giveaway sale slash Karen Share, whatever we called it. I was talking to a man there. He was telling me about how some of his family is being drawn into this false teaching and how subtle it is and how the, 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 the preacher in that ministry has started to tell people, you don't just need the word of God, you need me. You need what I have to say. And now he started to tell people, don't believe that at all, just believe what I say. And we talked about how important it is for, for believers to know what they believe so you can know when there's heresy coming in. Tell you what, most of the cults that lure Christians sound really good. They talk about loving one another. They talk about heaven. They talk about being good to your neighbor. Yet there is subtle, underlying false truths that if you don't know what you believe, you're going to be pulled into that. Know what you believe. Know why you believe. Why do you believe what you believe? Because it is the foundation of your life. I don't believe what I believe just so I can stand up on Sunday morning and, and say something that will be worth saying. I don't believe what I believe so that when somebody says, uh, where, do, where do you plan on going for eternity? And I can say heaven. That, that's not why I believe. I believe what I believe because it is a passion of my life. It doesn't matter if I'm a pastor or working on a car or working in a factory or working in a business. The passion of my heart is that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. That's why I believe. Because he's rescued me. We just sang about it. Grace, grace, God's grace. Wonderful Wonderful, infinite, matchless grace. Know why you believe. I'd say a third thing here. Know where you're going. Know where you belong. Guys, do you know that? To stand firm in the faith is not just to say, I can recite the verse John 3.16. Not just say, I can answer the questions in a Sunday school class or in a Bible study. It is to be the passion of your life and it is to know that, that I belong with the people of God. We'll talk about knowing where you belong and then knowing where you're going to go for eternity. Knowing where you belong. You belong in a community of believers, guys. This may be your first time in church in a while. This may be an on and off thing for you, and it may be something you do on a regular basis. It needs to be in the fabric of your life. I love what Stu Weber says. A former Army Ranger is a pastor now. He says, masculinity is a team sport. Listen, I love this. We were raised with the mindset of the Lone Ranger, Right? John Wayne, all by himself, taking the charge, doing whatever he did. That's really not biblical, biblical manhood. Biblical manhood is when you come alongside other believers and you, you encourage one another. The Bible says in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man does what? Sharpens another. We are to be together in the body of believers. It's a team sport, this community following Christ. A little bit of a parenthesis here that I want to share with ladies. Okay, women, you're wondering. We're going to say something for us. Hold on. David Murrow has written a book called Why Men Hate Going to Church. Very, very insightful book. I don't agree with everything he says, but he says some great things. 
Basically, he looks at our churches and says, this is, this, is, this is why the average guy out on the street doesn't really feel comfortable in churches. And he has some advice to women. There's a long list, but I just wrote down six. You'll be thankful, ladies, when you hear the list. Here, here's what he says to ladies who want their men to be connected to church. Number one, stop dragging your men to church. Stop dragging your men to church. See, God can do that. God can do that. Some of you women need to quit preaching to your husband about God and spend that time and energy talking to God about your husband. Saying, God, I give him to you. Let God deal in his heart. No man wants to be nagged into going to church. Well, the guys could have said amen there. That'd be a good place. He says, be a little less saintly and a little less religious. Said it's easier to be a saint than live with one. Some of you ladies are so religious and so super spiritual that your men don't want anything to do with it. Just be normal. Number three, stop doing everything in the church. One of the reasons why men are passive is because the women have just stepped up and said, we'll do it. They've stepped into roles that were for men. They've stepped in and said, you know what? No man's stepping up, so I'll do that. And I thank God for women who do that. I thank God for the women involved in ministry leadership in this church. But don't ever step into a place of ministry that God hasn't called you to. See, because if you step into a place of ministry, ladies, that God has not called you to, it may be that he's speaking to some man. And the man's going to say, God, I don't have to do that. She stepped up. Stop doing everything in the church. Number four, allow your husbands to instruct the family. Allow your husbands to instruct the family. Let them be the spiritual leaders of the home. A lot of men aren't the spiritual leaders because there's no place for them to lead. You got it under control, ladies. You do the praying and the preaching and the Bible reading and the training and all that stuff, and they just kind of step back and go on autopilot. Mama's got it covered. Ladies, let the man step up and do it. He doesn't have to open up to the book of 2 Corinthians and read all about the all about the people of Corinth, or go in the Old Testament and read about all the ites and Jebusites and Gergesites and all the ites. He doesn't have to do all that. Guys, if you're struggling with that, just use object lessons with the kids. Let them get involved in it with you. Just let, ladies, let the men do that. It may not be the way you do it. They may not pull out their K. Arthur stuff. They may not have the Greek diagram like you've learned to do. They may not have their Bible all marked up with different colors, but just let them pass the faith on to the kids. Let them do it. Number five, stop belittling men and acting super spiritual. The story of a man in a small group Bible study, and he couldn't find the book of the Bible, and he was scrambling for Zephaniah or Zechariah or one of those guys, and he couldn't find it. His wife just took the Bible out of his hand and rolled her eyes and went right to it and said, here it is. Ladies, stop doing that. Stop belittling men. Number six. He says, give up your fantasies about what Christ will do for your men. Give up your fantasies. See, a lot of women want their men in church so that they'll be better husbands for them. So that they'll be better fathers for their kids. So that life will be easier in the home. Now, those may all be good motives. But the real reason to get your men connected with the church is so God can get a hold of his heart. Can't tell you how many times over the years I've had women tell me, Pastor, 
pray for my husband that he'd have a heart for God. Pray that my husband will get saved and live for the Lord. So we pray, and guess what happens? God saves the guy, and he begins to have a heart for God, and the women say, whoa, hold on. (laughs) I didn't want him to go that far. Now he's given all this money to the cause of Christ. Now he's got us there every time the doors are open. Now that's all he wants to talk about is Jesus. I I didn't want a radical. I just wanted my man to be fixed so my life would be better. Ladies, give up those fantasies. You want God to fix that man, whether it's a husband, son, brother, boss, whatever, so your life will be better. You need to have a desire that God would just get a hold of some men. I said the list was longer. I just gave you six. Aren't you glad? See, that'll help our men feel connected. A lot of churches, men just check their masculinity at the door. I've got to go be just nice and sweet, proper, so I can fit in with that fellowship of all those sweet, kind people. Let them come in here and be themselves. It isn't going to be that bad. <laughs> let, them, let them be men. Let them be risk takers. Guys, know where you belong. You belong in the body of believers. And know where you belong for eternity. That's, that's what we're created for. Did you know that? To spend eternity in the fellowship with our Father in heaven. Guys, if you don't know where you're going for eternity, you need to know. We'll share that with you before this is over. Stand firm in the faith. Number three, be brave. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be brave. Some translations say, act like men. (laughs) That's pretty good. I like that. Hey, guys. Want some advice? Act like men. Be brave. Be be courageous. Acknowledge that you belong to Christ. You stand with him. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, If anyone wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Every man has to forsake those things. What, What will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Jesus calls us to allegiance to him. That takes bravery, guys, in this culture. That may take bravery in your family. Acknowledge your allegiance to Christ. Take a stand and say, I'm going to stand firm in the faith. I'm going to be brave about this. I'm going to be bold. Join other men in following Christ. Stu Weber also says, there's no better place to learn to be a man than in the company of other men. We learn masculinity by standing close to other men. It takes bravery to do that, guys, to step aside and say, this is going to be important to me. Admit your failures. It takes bravery to do that. To say to your kids, I was wrong. To say to your kids, I'm sorry. Listen, God started me real early, having to say I'm sorry to my kids. Carissa was an, this big. I could hold her like this, and I messed up. And I had to say, I don't know what she understood. <laughs> I said, babe, I'm sorry I was wrong. Man, I should not have raised my voice. I could tell I broke her heart. Guys, be brave enough to say I blew it. God doesn't ask you to be perfect. He just, he just wants you to be honest. By the way, your kids know it when you blow it. They, they know it. Fess up. That takes bravery. Joe Stoll is a, a little video clip called Our Fathers Who Aren't in Heaven. I like that. Basically, he says we're not perfect. Only God is perfect. Accept that. 
Accept that your dad wasn't perfect. Forgive him. There's a start for some of us, ladies, men. Maybe you just need to forgive your, your dad. He wasn't a perfect dad. And I'd say this, guys, forgive yourself. It takes courage. It takes bravery to do that. Not just to admit you're wrong, but to understand that God forgives you and you can forgive yourself. Noble Doss played football for University of Texas back in the 40s. They were on their way to the national championship, undefeated season, and they were playing against Baylor and working for a bid for the Rose Bowl. And, and Noble runs out to, to catch a pass, and he says, there I was, nothing but 20 yards of grass in front of me. He said, I reached out my arms, and the ball went right through my arms. He dropped the pass. The other team, Baylor, rallied, and they weren't able to go undefeated to the Rose Bowl, ruined their whole season. And that's all he can think about. That's all he's been able to think about all his life. Fifty years later, he was interviewed talking to one of the coaches of UT, and, and with tears in his eyes weeping, he said, I can't believe I dropped that pass and lost the game. Fifty years later, he's been a father, married for over 60 years. In the UT Hall of Fame, Texas Hall of Fame, two championship seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles, set school records at UT for passes completed or, or, or uh, caught, yet all he can think about is the one he dropped. Guys, quit thinking about the one you dropped, okay? Just forgive yourself. Number four, he says, be strong. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be brave and strong. Well, there's so much I could say here. That, that strength comes only from the Spirit of God being in control of your life. You can't do it by yourself. There's a yieldedness that has to take place when you say, God, you're in charge, you're in control, you give me strength. Ministry's tough, guys. A lot of guys pull out of ministry because it gets difficult. Here's an admonition here. Be brave and be strong. It will not be easy. We were up at the South Texas Children's Home this week visiting with Gene and Cassandra McElvin. They, they have left their world here to go there and minister to kids who are in crisis. And we had a great day in sharing with them and letting them share what God was doing in their life. And, and Gene said, they both said, it has not been easy. It has been difficult. But you know what they said? God's called us here. And we're going to stay here. Folks, that's courage. That, that's being strong. I think about Kevin and Michelle Kennedy, and as Kevin felt God's call to the mission field to Thailand, how he said, you know what? God's called me, and I'm taking my family there. And God, work in my wife's heart, because I know you've called me. God, work in my kid's heart, because I know you've called me. It takes bravery and strength to say, I'm going to follow God's leadership in my life. Men, your kids are waiting for you to do that. Your wives are waiting for you to do that. God's waiting for you to do that. I love the story about the bus driver who knew he needed to be strong. A guy stepped on the bus and is his normal route, but one day he just, this big guy just steps on and says, Big John doesn't pay. And he goes and sits back to the back of the bus and this driver's thinking, well, I can't believe he said that. Next day he pulls up to the stop, he gets on the, Big John gets on the bus again and just looks at him and says, Big John doesn't pay. He goes back and sits in the back. So this goes on for days, it goes on for weeks. Finally this bus driver says, I'm going to stand up to Big John. So he spends most of the summer learning all kinds of self-defense, 
judo and taekwondo and all that stuff and bulking up and, and he's ready so he goes on his bus route one August morning and he's ready to, to confront Big John and, and uh, he, he finally stops at the stop and he's ready, he's going to take him on. Big John gets on the bus and says, Big John doesn't pay. And so the bus driver says, and why not? He says, Big John has a pass. Some of you will get it later. (laughs) See, guys, sometimes we bulk up and get strong for the wrong reason. Sometimes we misunderstand what's going on out there. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. There's a passage I pray almost weekly that my preaching out of 1 Corinthians would not be in a demonstration of man's wisdom, and superior speech, but it would be in a demonstration of the power of God. Folks, that's where our strength is. Guys, that's where you find your strength. And then number five, do everything with love. Do everything with love. Greater love has no one than this, the Bible says. What? Then a man lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did. Do everything with love. He said, well, loving others is for sissies. Oh, yeah? I challenge you guys to rent the passion of the Christ and watch that and find out what it means to love others and to lay down your life. That's what Christ did for us. There is no more masculine thing that we could do, guys, than to give our lives to Christ and to lay our lives down for our families. Do everything with love. We have to declare our love, first of all. Declare your love for Christ. Don't apologize. Don't cower down and say, yeah, well, I read my Bible. I'm a godly man. Stand up and and be counted. Declare your love for Christ. Declare your love for your wife. Let your kids hear you say that. Let your kids hear you and see you saying those things to your wife. It teaches them. It's important. Let others see it and hear it. Declare your love for your kids. Say that often. It's important. Demonstrate love. Demonstrate love. Show it. Let your kids know that they're important to you, that you love them. Let your wife know. Tell her often. Demonstrate it often. Do like Andy did this morning. Give your wife flowers. That was good. That was good, Andy. That was great. That was great. Demonstrate your love. Ernest Shackleton left England in 1914 on an expedition to Antarctica. He had 27 other men on board, and he was trying to get to the, to the polar ice cap. A hundred miles from where they wanted to be, they got trapped in ice, and their ship was just totally bound up in the ice flow. They couldn't go anywhere. It's a very long story of how they survived, but he was able to keep his crew alive into 1916. He even went, found a way to rescue them, and he rescued all of them from that terrible fate. The story is not about this great explorer that failed to get to the pole. You know what the story is? It's about a great explorer who protected and rescued his men. Guys, that's, that's what I want to call us to do today. I want to call us to step up, and when the going gets tough, We just say, God, you've called us to this. We're going to rescue our families. 
We're going to rescue our community. We're going to rescue our men. We're going to rescue our city for Christ. Practical advice, guys. Let's be the men God's called us to be. Let's step up to the plate and take the challenge. What greater challenge? What greater adventure than to be a rescuer of our community and of our families? Let's pray.